Frank's Red Hot is the perfect blend of flavor and heat. So you can use an entire bottle to make recipes like buffalo chicken dip or buffalo nachos. Or even things that don't start with buffalo. Frank's Red Hot. I put that shit on everything. Hey, Craig. Hey, Jeff. Um, so obviously you guys saw we did do the intro music today. It didn't really feel uh, too appropriate. But uh, obviously... Um, this is podcast for everyone episode 184 with me as usual is Jeff and um obviously what we're going to talk about uh today is is the death of uh former WSU uh football head coach uh, Mike Leach uh the really a, a shocking surprising uh death um at the age of 61 um as many of you may know he uh seems like he had an issue with his heart a, a heart attack in his home and was uh, rushed to, uh, uh, you know, actually flown to Jackson where they were um, unable to save him. So um, just a tragic passing, um, tough for his family, Sharon and their kids and their grandkids. So, um, but we're going to, what we're going to do is just try to talk about, you know, some, he was obviously complicated. I I think uh, Spencer Hall said it best for me um, on Twitter when he kind of mentioned, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that are celebrated about him that maybe aren't the best things to celebrate, but at the same time, he has had such an impact on all of us. And today is sad to think about him, think about what he'd done, regardless of how complicated he was. Ultimately, I think for many of us, he was a net positive in our lives. And uh, so we w- wanted to talk about some of those positive things today. So Jeff, I start off here. How are you feeling? Um, I hope you're doing all right. It's, it's been kind of tough. It's been kind of a, you know, since the news of him going to the hospital and, and, uh, all that, it's, it's, it kind of hit me a, a lot more than I thought it would. Yeah. I, I think my roller coaster of emotions really happened more on Sunday. Um, as the news was, was leaking out about what was, what had happened. Um, having gone through a situation, with a relative that sounded very familiar to what um, Leach was going through. I, I, I was sort of already prepared for the worst. Um, I, I was sort of, it was sort of one of those things where like I was expecting the worst and then, you know, prepared to be surprised if something was different. And so I, I know that I was probably a little bit farther along in my grieving process about the whole thing uh, by today than a lot of other people were. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so I woke up this morning and, you know, my phone was blowing up as, you know, Emma and Nate were, were working on the, the, you know, the obituary that ran on the website. And I was like, oh, you know, OK, well, I wonder if it happened. And and I got up and, of course, of course it had. And so, like I said, I, you know, for a couple of days, I'd really kind of been uh, preparing myself for, for what I thought was probably the likely outcome. Um, just based on some of the facts that were out there. So by today I was, I was kind of ready, like the, the shock of it had kind of worn off, um, for me anyway, you know, being the kind of weirdos that we are following things way too closely. Right. Like I was yeah, like the shock had worn off. And so I was ready to like, just kind of like think about, uh, the good stuff, right? Like, right. Um, you know, the, and the stuff that I enjoyed, I, I think the most today, you know, and you mentioned Spencer and, um, you know, kind of the stuff that was going on, uh, you know, on Twitter and, and different places. 
honestly, I think, I think the stuff that I enjoyed the most, uh, you know, was the stuff that was more than just the, the reductive sound bites of him, you know, talking about candy or whatever. And those things were great. Like, I don't, I don't want to belittle those. Like I, I passed around a, uh, you know, a three minute video that sports center did as, as sort of their, you know, mm-hmm. obituary more or less. And it was a lot of, you know, the quirky sound bites, but uh, but at the same time, I think the stuff I really enjoyed was, uh, you know, the things that were more about the totality, you know, of his contribution as a coach, because he really did. He was way, way more than sound bites, and and he was way, way more than that. You know, I think to us, um, in particular, just because of you know the depths we were in when he showed up and and all that. So, um, I think you know Chris Brown. You know, for those of you if you're on Twitter, Chris Chris B Brown. Uh, he had a really great thread just kind of talking about Leach's contribution to football. Um, that's really worth checking out if, if you get a chance, you know, those kinds of things, those were the things that I, that I enjoyed the most more than, more than the stories of the quirkiness, which, you know, are great and, you know, make us laugh. And, you know, it's obviously today's a day for laughter, but, um, the stuff that's maybe tried to capture the totality of his contribution, um, you know, it, which really can't be underestimated. Uh, that was the stuff I think I enjoyed the most today, or, or at least brought me the most, the most joy and comfort on on what is a you know a pretty shitty day. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, um, when we say everybody air raids, that's a hundred percent true. Um, and Leach's success with the air raid offense that he and Hal Mummy uh, created, and and you know how he went forward with it even after you know Mummy. Um, lot you know was fired from kentucky and didn't really ever kind of recover his career but leach continued on with oklahoma as an offensive coordinator with texas tech wsu and mississippi state um and because of the success that that had and it's it's kind of easy to forget but when when kentucky was throwing the ball around and when oklahoma was throwing the ball around in the late 90s early 2000s like it was crazy like people and it, and it wasn't quite the um, to the extreme that his Texas Tech teams did when he was in charge, but it, it was still crazy. I mean, um, crap, they the, they got drafted by the Browns, but this is before uh they realized you know Kentucky's quarterback before they realized like what this offense was, and he got drafted first overall, and and then it became reverse eventually that air raid quarterbacks got kind of looked at with a side eye, like, are you actually good? Or is Leach's offense just so fucking good that like, like a golden retriever could sit back there and throw the ball for 4,000 yards a year. And, and it just became to the point where it's like, yeah, we had to measure quarterbacks more against other air raid quarterbacks because the offense was so prolific that it was going to move. Like it was going to eat up chunks of yardage. It was going to put up points. Um, It was such a guarantee uh, that, you know, over the course of seasons that everyone started adopting stuff out of it. You know, much like with Bill Walsh, the West Coast offense, we saw for like a decade that just dominated. And then it, and then it came and then and then you start seeing the air raid. And this is from a guy that never coached in the NFL. And you have the Super Bowl ch- champions. Tom Brady using air raid in their passing game. You, you, in you know, one, they were really one of the first teams that really started adopting that stuff. You look at the the stuff that Andy Reid is running now, and and everything like it. 
It, he, he just has such an impact beyond. And then you look, you look below, you go back down to high school, everyone, it's even more prevalent. High school, you should just be fucking running the ball. Like, you just run the ball. That's all you do because who can throw the ball? You don't trust these kids to throw the ball. Well, kids can throw an air raid now because they're, they're getting, because they, it's not just how, and how you've, you've seen written it's, it, it's not just how, that's not just the offense. The offense is simple. It was the repetitions. So seven on seven ball became massive to get these repetitions. And, and so, and a lot of this is traced back to Leach and, and the success yep. he had with it. And, and it's, it's crazy. And, and you even just look at it at a micro level at WSU, just the attachment we have to this style of football now, like when, because even, even the hire of Rolovich was, was kind of looking for another sort of like unique offensive identity. And, 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 but then as soon, as soon as Digger takes over, he's looking again for an air raid guy. Cause like, this is yep. our identity. Like we recognize these route structures. We recognize, you know, counting heads at the, in the box. And that is that going to be a run or not? And stuff. And so it's just wild that, um, this guy who never, never was a national championship, even contending coach, never, never won a conference title, but his influence on football at all levels is just insanely big and bigger than honestly any coach in his generation. Like it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And it's more than just, I think sometimes air raid gets reduced to the scheme, right? Like, Oh, it's these, well, for example, like if you know what you're looking for, you know, you'll see mesh everywhere, right? Like you'll see, you know, the, the thing where you got two receivers, they run past each other and you know, there you'll see it at every level of football, high school, college, professional. I mean, you'll see it all the time. Right. But it's like, okay, so yes, that's, that's a a really innovative play and leech and, and how mummy, you know, develop that together. And, you know, all these route combinations and the idea of stretching fields, both horizontally as well as vertically, right? You know, all of those things are, are true, but it's like, man, there have been a lot of coaches that have come up with, you know, have come up with uh, schemes that, that have, you know, innovative route combinations or whatever, but they just, they have not in general had the kind of like transformative influence um, that the air raid did. And so much of that was due to leech, not just, uh, you know, drawn up plays, but like it's, it's about execution. It's about implementation. It's about, you know, how do you, how do you coach kids? You mentioned, you know, like you go to high schools now and you, you see it everywhere and it's true. And it's like, well, everybody just assumed, okay, high school kids can't throw with that kind of proficiency. Well, guess how they do it now? Repetition. You know, guess how they do it now? You know, yep. they drill it down the same way Mike Leach did. Leach invented, literally invented a way of practicing throwing the football, which is uh, routes on air is what they called it. And it's five quarterbacks with each of them with a the football in their hand, five receivers running a route, and then all five quarterbacks throwing the ball at the same time. Right? Because like up until that point, up until he figured that out, it was like, okay, you'd have one quarterback making throws and everybody else standing around and you know, maybe you'd have two guys, right? And you'd just be working routes. Well, now it's like, all right, well, let's get, what if we have five? Mike, this is Mike Leach, right? In a nutshell. Well, what if I have five guys do it? You know, 
I don't, let's see how it works, you know? And then, then, you know, he stumbles on this, this thing and it's like, yeah, yeah, I like that, you know? And this, so he does it that way. Um, you know, and just the way that he, as, as a coach, um, you know, demanded perfect, not, not per- perfection might not be the right word, but demanded excellence from his players, uh, demanded great effort from them, um, every day, every rep, every play, um, in fact, you know, I'm, I'm kind of reminded of We're going to go back to a lot of stories here. Right. Uh, but I'm reminded of something that I, that I sort of mocked <laughs> back in, I don't know. I mean, this was like 20, maybe it was when they were bad. Maybe it was 2013, yeah. 2014, but it was when they were, when they were not good. might've been 2014 and they had the rise up board yeah. and I mocked that fucker mercilessly. And it was this. So if, for those of you who don't remember, it, it was this whiteboard on the side of the, on the sideline. And basically if, if a good play was made, they would put, you know, you'd have a one. And then if they made another good play, it was a two. And then if they made another good play, it was a three. And basically the idea was to see, you know, how high they could get it to go. Right. And it was at the time, it felt like a, okay, this like, like, what are we even doing here? Right. We're supposed to be, we're supposed to be winning games. And instead we've got this alternate method of keeping score on the sideline because we're not competitive. Like how, how stupid is that? Right. But you know, eight years later when it was all said and done and and Leach moves on to Mississippi state, you know, I look back and I go like, okay, like I get it now. Like I get what he was trying to do and it, and it probably worked. I mean, he was saying to the team, like, Hey, all that matters is this play, right? His mantra, play the next play, right? Like just, you know, it's like, it's like, be the best on this play, do be the best of your job, you know, play with great enthusiasm, whatever. So he's like, look, don't worry about the scoreboard. Just worry about you worry about what you can control, worry about. And and again, at the time it felt like, I mean, come on, like we're trying to win games looking back. I'm like, he, he had like retrain the way they thought about what they were doing out there. And if you do that, then the results start to come around, right? It's, I didn't see it at the time, but it was really process over results, knowing that if you get the process right, the results are going to come around. And I really think that was kind of the magic of Leach as a coach. It wasn't just the schemes. There's a lot of really brilliant offensive minds who are really, really terrible coaches. I mean, look at you know Josh McDaniels in Las Vegas right now, you know, for the second time around. I mean, he was terrible in Denver. He's terrible in Las Vegas. By all accounts, a really, really bright offensive mind, and he's just a shit coach. And you look at Mike Leach, and it's like, okay, smart offensive mind, quirky, yes, but also, like, just incredible at, like, coaching players and getting them to play to their potential and teaching them. That was something I saw, you know, at a couple of practices I went to, he jumped in with a bunch of wide receivers and was like, no, 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 your technique's wrong. And he's like showing them, you know, the technique that he wants with, with their feet and their hands. And I'm just, and it was really, you know, precise and detailed. And anyway, it just was like, he, he just is so much more than the sound bites. He really was um, kind of the whole package. And um, to say that he is, you know, was truly a transformative coach. I mean, I think he knew that. Um, but you know, one of the things that really sucks about dying is you're not around to hear everybody <laughs> say all the nice things. And, um, you know, I mean, I think, I think Mike Leach knew, you know, how, how important, um, his contribution was, but, and I think he knew that people enjoyed him, but you know, again, it, it just kind of blows that, you know, now we, we really get to pour all this out and we don't get to have a proper, you know, retirement. We don't get to have a proper, have him back to Martin stadium and, you know, name, 
something after him, you know, the quarterback room or something. I don't know, but you know what I mean? It's like, like we don't get to do the proper goodbye. And and I think that's the one thing that I think really, really fucking sucks today is not only is college football being sort of robbed of his contribution um, for however much longer he wanted to do it. But it's also like, man, we're, we're all being robbed of the um, ability to see him do it. And he's being robbed of the ability to, to just sort of like, you know, hear, hear from us in, in a way that, um, I think we'd like to thank it because I think WSU has, has really a special, um, you know, a, a special, a special thanks for him, right. Given what, what he, you know, pulled us out of. Yeah. And, and, and I think he has, uh, he had a, a very special, uh, connection to Pullman as well. And, and as a place that kind yep. of resurrected his career, gave him an opportunity and, um, to do that. And, and, and he had success here and he really was the type of guy that was totally fine with the small town, probably preferred it, you know, cause he, he, he loved people could cut and everyone knew who he was and he was totally fine with people talking to him. And then, and everyone has stories about that. And, um, you know, that people talk about the, you know, the quirkiness and really what the quirkiness was, is that he was just kind of a genuine human being, which we don't always get in college football coaches actually rarely get. Yep. Um, rarely. And get. so he, he was the same person if you're talking to him over a beer or if he's talking, uh, to the media, really, you know, maybe just fewer cuss words when he's talking to the media. So it, uh, it, and so it, it just, he's, um, that was really what it was. You know, he, he, he not only had this, you know, profound impact on football, he was just such a unique, guy and we don't really see uh unique personalities like that um in college football very often and that was part of the reason people kind of latched on to him and people latched on to WSU when he came to WSU we were just a nationally recognized football team for the first time even before he coached a game you know even when he was losing games the first few years that still it was like all everyone wanted to watch WSU games because it was Leach and he didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know what he was going to say after. He didn't know what he was going to say at the halftime interview. So, you know, it was interesting. And, you know, obviously, you know, uh, we all like his, his like curiosity and just the people that he was talking to and the, and, and his like willingness to engage with like random people was crazy. I know. My sister has a great story of when she was in Pullman. Um, she was, she was, had gotten off work. She went to the old sports page, uh, was having a couple beers and Mike walks in with all of his offensive staff. He sees Steph's alone, invites her over to sit down. Um, they start chatting. You know, she said, you know, she says like, he asked her how the season went. This is after 2012. She's like, eh, you know, you need better slot receivers to, be able to run those, uh, you know, those deep crossing routes on four verts better and, and to open up that, that game more. And, and, and so she says, yeah, I've, you know, I've, I've looked over your, you know, your, your Kentucky playbooks, you know, those are published online. And so he starts quizzing, you know, he tells the staff they're fired and then he starts, he starts quizzing her and quizzing the staff on his, on his Kentucky playbook and all that stuff. And, um, so he, and then he, Steph, you know, talked with him a few times over the, over the years, just at the bar about whatever and, and, or, you know, wherever they would see each other and, uh, in Pullman. And so that was, uh, that was interesting, you know, and 
we talk about my bachelor party when uh your wife we were carrying around this these little talking uh-huh. uh, Mike Leach heads. Let me <laughs> let me try to play everyone a little sound clip here. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, I I don't know how well you could hear that, but his candy that, cord. I could hear it. I could hear it. The candy. Um, that was the candy cord diatribe. Yeah. So we're so we picked up one of those at a at a um, the surplus sale. And, so we went to the surplus, and, right? We went to the surplus, and they were selling the. The Mike Leach talking heads for uh, five bucks okay. or something. Five and by bucks. the way, those that's that's its own story, right? Where these talking heads came from. Remember, like they did like a whole huge like like yeah, uh, make teasing commercial. media campaign. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. We were all like, "What are they going to do? What is this thing?" And then they came out with these heads, and we were like, "Really? Huh. Like that's it? That's what it is?" like you push a little button and Mike Leach spouts off about candy corn or whatever. I don't even remember what the other ones are. Mine's out of batteries. So I, I don't know about you. We probably pushed the button too many times while he we says were he, toting him around he, on your bachelor yeah, party. He, he keeps a, a pickaxe next to his bed in case he needs to whack someone. It's, you know, uh, or a, I mean, that's smart. Or, that's smart. He's a smart um, man. Yeah. So, but yeah, so we're carrying that. So, you're, you know, we decide to carry that around. You know, we go to a brewery and, uh, your wife decides to text him a picture of us. Well, he asks well, you and you. Okay. So yeah. it kind of, it kind of goes like this. I'm like, we're, we're talking about these talking heads and I'm like, ha ha ha. And I'm like, do you know, I got Mike Leach's phone number in my phone. And Sarah was like, what? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like they, like I did an interview with him and he's, he like, like they just give out his phone number in here. Like, I don't know, man, if I was a head coach, I don't think I would do that. But Mike Leach did that. Like literally I, I can't even, how many, I don't know how many people had Mike Leach's phone number, but it was like, just like looking on looking on Twitter today. It was a lot of people, right? Yeah. A lot of people. Yep. And he just was like, you know, so just like, yeah, you know, text me, call me, whatever. He's like, if I don't want to talk to you, I won't, I won't answer. You know, I'm like, okay. So I, you know, I just happened to be like, you know, oh yeah, yeah, I got, I got his phone number, you know? And Sarah goes, can I text him? And I'm like, like, I guess probably like he'll, he'll probably talk to you. He'll talk to just about anybody. So yeah. So that's how it started. She decides, I, I'm going to, I'm going to text him. I'm going to take a picture and tell him we're taking him around with us. And so that's, that's how yep, it started. She, yeah. She, she takes a picture of the, the bachelor party group at the brewery says, you know, we're thinking about you. And, uh, and then he says, I wish you were here. And she says, you kind of are sends him a picture of the, uh, of the head. And then it goes on We're we're at my office and he, tells her to order a, a crown and water for him and then we go to yep we go to um to black cypress he name drops the owner wants us to say hi to him order, orders another crown and water uh you know he he we were at breakfast the next day he said sorry Mitt. he's he's glad he could be involved and then uh went at the actual wedding i guess sarah texts him and and he and he comes back and, and says you know uh, have have a have a shot of tequila and congratulate the happy couple and all that. So he, he just it was it was it was a it was a Friday night at who knows what time in, in Mississippi, you know. And he's just responding to these texts 
from yep. this number. Like, <laughs> yep. what, you know, who even knows what he, if you're, if you were even stored in his phone, you know, he's just responding. To I'm sure. Text. I'm well, and she was, she was texting from her phone. So, Oh, there's so no she, way so he knew yeah. anything about it. It was just like random, you know, he's just, she's just starts texting him and he's like, you know, just like engaging and talking and, oh yeah, you know, I love that place. And now say hi to, I remember who, what the name of the guy was who, who owns Black Cypress, but you know, Nick. say hi to so-and-so for me. So yeah, Nick. Yeah. So we're, we're at, we're at the Black Cypress and Sarah's like, you know, asking the server, Hey, is, is Nick around? Mike Leach wants us to say hi. Like, and I, you know, if I remember right, Nick never did come around. Um, cause I think like everybody kind of looked at us kind of funny when, when Sarah was like, what are you that. talking like, about? No, no, for real, for real. I got, look, I'm texting with Mike Leach, you know? Um, yeah, it was great. It was hilarious. Um, you know, just, just very quintessential Leach. And I, I think that's the kind of stuff that gets beyond just the, just the sound bites like this, like that's, I think there's, I think there's a little bit of a performative element to some of the sound bites. You know, I, I do think there's, Oh yeah. I, I do think he, you know, very much knew he was on camera or whatever, but also like that wasn't far off from who he actually was like, you know, yeah, he might put on for a camera a little bit. Um, and I also think, you know, he would he would rather talk uh about candy corn than football most of the time so i think that was part he kind of invited that cuz i think he found that much more interesting than talking about football with people who were maybe not as uh not up to his level <laughs> on the football thing um but at the same time that that wasn't far off from from who he actually was and uh what he was actually interested in talking about and um, I don't know, man, the thing that, the thing that's always going to stick with me, like the, like the biggest thing, um, that's going to stick with me is, you know, we've, we've talked multiple times on this podcast about like kind of the, the journey that we've been on, uh, as a website, right? Like we talked about this a lot last week cause I happened to be, you know, stepping away, right. From managing the website and we talk about this journey and, and we love to, you know, laugh about how we, we started the website when Paul Wolf was hired. And that's not an ideal time <laughs> to launch something like that, right? Like, but we were all young and stupid enough to, to just kind of plow on through it. I mean, it, at, at this age, we'd just be like, what the fuck are we wasting our time for on all of this, you know? But at the time, you know, we were, uh, I was, I don't know, 30 ish, 31, something, 32, something like that. And you were, you know, when you're recently graduated, uh, you like a lot of the other guys. And so, you know, we, we were still pretty excited about being internet celebrities and, um, but man, those first four years were like brutal, demoralizing. We, we had to, you know, we had to make up our own fun, right? I mean, like you, you had your famous, you know, read Forrest for Heisman campaign and other, you know, assorted fanfic type pieces of writing. And because it all, it's like you you either cry or you laugh. Right. And, 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 you know, so we just sort of tried to make our own fun and, and then, um, and then we hired Mike Leach and, and I remember like <laughs> the feeling, the moment when it was like, we're going to hire Mike Leach. And it was, I mean, we just like the, it was, it was equal parts sort of shock and joy. Um, and, and I, I think that if you weren't a fan at that time, I think it could be really, really tough to kind of get it to kind of understand like, just how like big and meaningful it was. Um, WSU had always hired cheap, cheap, cheap coaches like forever. Um, and then all of a sudden Bill Moose makes this splash for this guy who 
was a proven winner. Like we did, we have never hired one of those, you know, at in in WCU had never hired one of those in WCU's history, and so so to go get him and to to pay him the salary we were paying him, which was way more than we had ever paid any coach. Um, just the, like the, the way that that hire transformed just everything instantly. Now the Mm -hmm. football didn't change a whole lot right away. (laughs) Um, the roster was pretty depleted. It took about four years to kind of really get it back on, to really get it on track. But, um, but, but just the, the hope that came along with it. Um, like even just right now, just talking about it, like I get, like I get like, like, like butterflies in my stomach. Cause I just remember how just unbelievably exciting it was and, and the hope and the joy and just him standing up there and being like, well, people are asking me why Washington state. And I'm like, well, that's a stupid question. And just like knocking us all over. Right. Just like, yeah. we're like, Oh my God, we're in love. You know, it's, you know, the pirate flags with WSU logos on them start popping up. I mean, just, just all that. So I, I, you know, for me, the, my enduring memory will be, will be that will be that hope that he brought. And then the way he actually paid it off, um, culminating with really culminating with 2018. Um, just, you know, those are memories that, um, that he built that, um, would not really have been possible without him. And so for that, I, you know, for, for all the complexities of, you know, his, his politics and the way he sometimes treated players, um, you know, not every, I mean, we, <laughs> Mississippi state player transferred last week who took some shots on the way out at, at Mike Leach, you know I mean? It's, he could be abrasive, but, um, but on the whole, um, very thankful for him having been our coach, uh, very thankful for having gotten to know him, uh, in whatever small capacity. And, um, I, I just think it's really cool that we got to, that we got to have that experience for eight years. Yeah. We had the experience of just, you know, every, every time I, you'd talked, you know, I, I'd be traveling the, the country for work. And especially if I was in the South, I'd just talking to a random guy at the bar. Oh, WSU. So Mike Leach. And like, you just immediately, that was there. They, they, there was a way that they would identify WSU. And, and honestly, before that, they would, they would have no idea, you know, like I, I've, I, I yeah. I've talked to Michigan fans and I asked them who they, who they beat to win the national championship or in the 90, 1998 Rose Bowl, and they have no idea. <laughs> like it's a, so just to, but we could have a six and six team at WSU, and everyone knows who our coach is and what our identity is as a program. And and, and it was just it was just wild to have. Um, someone that was just so kind of bigger than the university really um, yep. a, as, as the face of the university for so long. And it, and it's been kind of weird after, um, you know, having Rolovich who became a bit of the face for his own reasons. And then, uh, but Dickard is, you know, in no way that sort of personality. So we're, we're kind of just kind of back to this bit of an, an, anonymity and, and you really have to have to win to, be noticed and uh he right. he didn't really have to win to be noticed and then it really helped that to when he was the coach that when we were winning we, we were already recognized and you know having leech there and combined with the flag and everything to to bring game day all that like it it, it that's really you know that th- that college game day 
uh, is really truly one of the greatest days of my life. And yeah, that too. doesn't, doesn't happen without Mike Leach and Gardner Minshew and, and all those players and that he brought in that program that he built. And, and yeah, I'll always be grateful for that. And, and, and for the, my years as a season ticket holder, you know, Portland State and Eastern Washington, notwithstanding of just watching wins and wins and wins in Martin Stadium. Yeah. Um, just, yeah. uh, you know, it, it truly special. It can, you know, you talk to people who were in school from like 2008, 2012 or whatever, and, and just, they didn't see anything good. And then it, you talk to kids who went to school 2015 to 2018, whatever, and they saw just amazing stuff. And you could kind of see, we, we, we kind of see this in our, in our, in our writers, um, we kind of, we have this gap. We have like a smaller, very much smaller subset of people who have come through uh, as a writer for us that went to school during the Wolf era. And then we have a lot of people that came in on the back end of Mike Leach and the back end of the many years of football success. We have a lot of people that were kind of built around the basketball success. And we have a lot of people that were built around Mike Price's successes. So we, you really see like the, when, when you, you're able to build a program like that, it builds passion for the university. It builds passion for the program. Um, and, and so we, we just see it in, in, in the writers we could find for our website, you know? And so, uh, yeah. such a, such a big impact. That's just our little perspective, but. We also know that football, successful football seasons always drive application numbers and all that. But, but just to, just to have that identity as a university and then also to deliver success with it, uh, was amazing. And, and, and really the WSU through two other coaches now has kept it going seven win seasons and, we're, we're almost like, yeah, this is normal seven win seasons. I mean, we were yeah. excited the last two because we just didn't know what to expect if they keep going. But, you know, how, you know, we'll probably talk about the break, but how unexcited uh, people have largely been about the LA Bowl. And but when Leach came and we went to the bowl game in 2013, people were losing their minds that we were going to the New Mexico Bowl to play Colorado State. Yeah. Like it was like the biggest thing that had happened in a decade. Yep. And then because I mean, he came we were, here, do you yeah. do you remember that? Do you remember that we went on a like Brian Floyd especially went on like a we went on like a full like social media campaign to try and get the New Mexico Bowl to take us right because yeah. the New Mexico yeah. Bowl was not a not a Pac twelve tie in right like it was not guaranteed that we would get invited to a bowl we were six and six the Pac twelve had already filled up its uh, its allotted yep. bowls. And so it was not guaranteed that we would get invited to one. And so we were like, okay, it's probably the New Mexico bowl. And like, uh, if I remember correctly, Brian Floyd was, was making memes, uh, breaking bad memes, but Photoshopping Mike Leach's <laughs> head onto Walter white, uh, standing in the road in his undies, um, you know, saying like basically using that to, uh, to try and attract the New Mexico bowl. Um, yeah. Yeah, we were well, and, we were so like just over the moon at any bowl game. It was it was crazy. And 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 part of that is, you know, that that advertisement it's, it's Mike Leach, you're New Mexico. He, he is 
the most famous person in West Texas. Like still. Yes. Like, so, yes. like, so yeah, like have Mike Leach come. Like there's going to be tech fans yeah. that drive over. We know how passionate yep. those fucking tech fans were for Mike Leach. Oh my three God. years after he left that program and just bombarded yeah. our, our, still bombarded our comment sections for years. And to the point where they, yeah. they just like adopted, they moved with him. They just like, we're WSU fans now because, um, I, I, and I know there was WSU fans that it's still like, you know, I didn't like root for Mississippi state, but you know, it was, it was, it, I, you'd always see what they were doing and, and, and yeah. you know, watch the egg bowl this year. And, um, I'm happy that he, you know, was able to go out in that way and, and, you know, happy memories for, uh, Mississippi state. And cause it, that would have been a, a tr- you know, it's truly did back to back sad things if he lost that job and then also died. So I'm, I'm happy that it was able to go out and, and Mississippi State has happy feelings for him. Uh, their video tribute they did was very good. I thought WSU's was very good. Um, I mean, obviously he's a guy that was very clippable. Um, so you, a lot of things that you could, you could get for from him, but still like, um, it, it's just, it's just fascinating that the cultural impact he had on football. And then on, on these kind of subcultures of WSU, of Texas Tech and Mississippi State, um, just, just, uh, just crazy. Uh, and then again, like it's just wild at 61 to die. And, and, uh, we thought, you know, probably at least watch him coach football for another five, six, seven years. And then it, it was always going to be fascinating to see what he did after that. You know, he might have maybe went into commentating, commentating or something because he did that. In his, in his, in the meantime, in between his jobs, but, um, but now that's not going to happen. But, uh, you know, he truly, I, 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 like you said, I think he knew the impact he had and, and, and hopefully he had heard from people and known. I, he is a coach, so coaches tend to get a lot of this feedback. So hopefully he knew that the impact he had on people, um, just to, just as a unique personality and then also, uh, insanely influential, uh, college coach. So, um, just, yeah, it's a, it's a sad day, but uh, so much to reflect on. So many positive memories of Mike Leach, and and like you said, I, I'm 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 glad he coached WSU. Yep, me too. And and now we we're going to another bowl game, ho hum, right? Yeah, because <laughs> that's because that's what he did to us, right? We yeah, we, we went just to go a point to bowl where games. we were we were losing our shit at going to a New Mexico bowl and. Uh, trying to trying to you know like you know give the give the eyes to the New Mexico Bowl to get them to pick us and now we're like yeah all right uh, well you know another bowl game off the, to the we're LA in the Jimmy Bowl Kimmel and Bowl. Yeah. yeah we're in the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl and um you know I don't know how many people are going but you know I'm 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 excited to watch it I'm even if we're gonna be missing like I don't know apparently half our coaching staff and. Uh, you know, a whole bunch of backup players, not too many starters, couple of couple of wide receivers, but but yeah, you know, I I still get well, excited about bowl games. I don't know about you. This this is probably the, I mean, you've traveled to all pretty much all of them, haven't you? This is like the first no, one I, you haven't traveled to. No, I, I I missed I missed last year. Did you? Um, oh, okay. I missed. I, last one I went to is the Al. No, I went to the Cheez It Bowl. I went to the Alma Bowl, and I went to one of the Holiday Bowls. Oh, okay. Um, so I I went to some. Um, so you were I on missed, a little streak there. I didn't, I didn't remember the jingle yeah, last year. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. Yeah. This is just like, Oh, Jimmy Kimmel ball. Um, I, so yeah, starters out a couple of receivers, a couple of linebackers too. 
Um, <laughs> we're definitely yeah uh, down to couple, the bottom couple, of the barrel. All like all of our linebackers, uh, all of the linebackers, definitely bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, without uh, so that was you know kind of a kind of it must have been an odd day for Eric Morris um, to have like one of his mentors, his former coach, pass, and then he also accepts his first FBS head coaching position at North Texas. Um, so, uh, which by for, the way is like super yeah. awesome for him. Like that's not, yeah. that is not something to lament. That is not a step down, you know, going from an offensive coordinator to an FBS coaching head coaching job. That is, that is a step up. That's good. You know, so good for him. I'll, I'm bummed that Especially he's, with that, a, but that's a, awesome a, for him. A, a recruiting base where he's really going to be able to recruit the types of players to run yeah. his offense. So, I mean, you, I mean, like, you saw how all, many, all the you Texas saw how many guys from football. Texas. Yeah. You saw how many guys from Texas we took in our last recruiting class after he got hired. Yeah. Like, yeah. like that's what he knows. That's where his connections are. It makes he, you know, he was a finalist for the Texas State job, right? Um, yep. Makes all the sense in the world that that he got that job. So, so good for him. I, I don't know where we turn now. I'm sure Dickert's got some ideas, but yeah, um, you know, good for him. So no, might no make for a rough LA Bowl. We'll see. No offensive coordinator. Dickert's acting defensive coordinator and head coach. Um, yep. Cause, then, yeah, cause our down, defense coordinator is now at Arizona state. Yep. Down every so. starting linebacker down a couple of receivers. Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting, uh, now offensive line suddenly becoming one of our strongest positions. <laughs> <laughs> Most experienced position. Most experienced. We'll line. say, <laughs> but yeah, so tr- really a, a hard game to predict. I, I know that, um, yeah, Hanauer, uh, the quarterback at Fresno, I've heard he's playing. So Hainer. we don't get a pass. Jake Hayner. Hayner. How are you? I don't know. Yeah. Hayner. Yeah. I yeah. Hayner. But just for the record. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, he's playing. And he had a nice season for them. Um, yep. Played in nine games. Uh, yeah. He's a good quarterback. Eight, yeah. 18 TDs, three picks. Not that throw a lot of picks. Um yeah, that compares to the other guy that they had. Obviously, sub in a lot because he also played ten games, and so hopefully he plays because he threw uh, six picks in uh, <laughs> basically two hundred less passing attempts. So um, go Logan Five, get get in the game. We want to see you. Um, but yeah, so uh, Fresno obviously they won the Mountain West. They beat Boise State in the title game. Really, uh. uh Smacked them around a bit. Um, they are uh, the, a balanced team, I guess you could say, in the in the realm of uh, college football these days. Um, they did give up a fair amount of sacks, thirty five. Uh, so yep. when you look at runs versus passes, they were a little bit tilted towards passing. Um, you know, the run game, even if, even if you take out the sacks, isn't truly that. Fantastic. Um, no, nothing to there. You know they they have a workhorse in Jordan Mims, but he's under five yards of carry, which in college is uh, like in in NFL like four point seven eight is good, but in college four point seven eight is pretty normal um, on, on a ground game, especially in like a Mountain West yep. conference. Um, yep. But you know he's a he's going to carry the ball twenty twenty five times. Um, so WSU's probably gonna, you know, they'll see plenty of Jordan Mims as long as he's playing. I, I honestly, who knows? He's a senior. 
who knows? Uh, <laughs> uh, you just don't even know. I, like, my that's why understanding it's so hard. is that all my understanding is that all their guys are playing. I mean, I for think, them, it's a, I don't think anybody who's a, healthy is playing. They they basically won a championship to go to this game, so it's like a much different right. stakes. Whereas they they won yes. their conference, we finished seventh in our conference. Like it's and this is this is the same as the old uh, Las Vegas Bowl matchup, um, where like yep. where the Mountain West team frequently won um, because they were often more motivated. They often were a better team. Now this it's 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 kind of an even match. Uh, Fresno, uh, if you look at the, you know, the advanced hand stuff, like it's a pretty even match. Look at Vegas, like it's pretty close. Um, but again, it, how do you even factor in the players are not going to play? That's tough. Um, but Fresno State can score points. They have a good offense. Um, hopefully there's enough guys on defense, uh, you know, get after the quarterback, stop the run. Uh, to to hold them down because I really just don't know what to expect from the offense. Um, it's it's kind of tough with with the receivers out, um, and, and you know but he still has Farrell in. I guess he loves throwing the ball to him. Cam does, um, yeah. but we'll, we'll, and and I, I think you know Farrell. I, I I would probably expect a pretty big game from him in this one just because Cam's just not going to feel that comfortable with anyone else on the field. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah. It, otherwise, it's it's just hard hard to predict, man. Like I, if if it were the full rosters of each team, I probably would say WSU by a, by a little bit. But I just don't know how these. Uh, I obviously the departures will impact the defense. Like that's the three linebacker departures were three of our best players. So that's that's tough, you know. And I think they're gonna have Jordan Lee potentially play linebacker. Um, because uh, he's a big guy, uh, so it's it's going to be an, an interesting to watch, and hopefully the defense still can be sound and 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 step up to the step up to the plate because it's a lot more fun watching them play well versus getting smashed in a bowl game. Yeah, I mean to give you some sense of of where the um, you know where the games <laughs> where the games trending at this point. WSU opened as a two and a half three point favorite. Uh, WSU is now a three point underdog. So, so the line has swung like five to six points uh, the other direction uh, with with the guys that the Cougs are going to be missing plus you know whatever action is coming in on coming in on Fresno State. So yeah, it's a. Uh, it's, you know, anybody who got in an early bet on Fresno State plus two and a half or three or whatever, um, is, is feeling pretty good because it's, uh, yeah, I mean, WC's missing a lot of him, a lot of important guys. Uh, I, I think that the, the missing linebackers, you know, scares me. Uh, you know, it, as much as, okay, let's, let's, let's insert the caveat. As much as any bowl game situation can scare me, which is not very much <laughs> because I just don't, I, you know, as we've talked about people who've been listening to the podcast for a long time. No, we, we don't, we don't take bowl games all that seriously around here. If you're, if you are a bowl games are very important fan, we are not your podcast. Like we, cause we are like bowl games are weird. They're kind of silly. They like they're more or less exhibitions. Getting to them, getting is, to them is the thing. The is game the is the reward. Yeah, it's the reward for the players. It's the reward for fans to get to go someplace warm while it's you know frigid up here or whatever. Um, you know, so you just you can't take the results too seriously. They're not predictive. They're not. They're not really anything. Um, unless of course your offensive line gets shredded 
against a you know G five team, and then you're bringing back the same offensive lineman the next year. Then maybe it's yeah, a little predictive, but but the uh, but just in all seriousness, the the overall results you know are not. I mean, if you looked at the bowl game last year, I mean, let's just say let, let's say you know the 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 result of the game losing to Central Michigan, right? Oh my God, we are so fucked. We're we're gonna we're gonna crash next year. I mean, you know, we won seven games. We damn near won eight and beat Oregon. I mean, like, you know, I mean, it's it had no impact whatsoever on this season. You know, was the game shitty? Yeah. Was there a good reason why? Probably. You know, missing half our offensive line and you know whatever. And Jaden Delora goes out at halftime. I mean, what you know, what do you expect, right? So. I feel kind of the same way about this one. Like I fully at this point, you know, I started the game thinking, yeah, I think we're a better team than Fresno state, you know, losing your coordinators, losing all of your linebackers, not all of your linebackers, but your top three linebackers, right. Who would typically all three be on the field at the same time in like red zone packages. Um, you know, you lose, so you lose three of your linebackers, uh, you know, not that, you know, Stribling and Ollie were, you know, sort of light the world on fire guys, but at the same time, that's, you know, that's two more guys who, who aren't playing, you know, so now you're talking, you know, you know, 60 snaps of Leighton Smithson is, you know, I mean, it's the end of his freshman year. So I guess maybe he's not a freshman anymore, but it's like, you know, are you ready for him? Are you ready for, you know, Ryan Peters for, you know, 50 snaps? Are you ready? You know I mean? It's just, are you ready for Lincoln Victor at, outside receiver on the right instead of Ollie. Like, is, cause I think that's probably what they'll do. Like, or, like probably that's not the greatest situation in the world. So, um, you know, I, I do at this point, I think I expect Fresno state to win. Um, I don't, I, I mean, I know we haven't gotten to predictions yet, but I, I, you know, I just like, and it won't, and it won't bum me out. I'll watch it. I'll have a good time. Um, I hope we win. And if we do win, I'll be happy. And if we don't win, I'll be like, eh, you know, whatever. Uh, it's fine. So, I'm glad it's a day game. Uh, I'll just chill in my house with yep. my kids, and they'll hear Daddy screaming. Twelve thirty, right? Twelve thirty kickoff. Yeah, twelve thirty kick. Um, yeah. So uh, I guess let's just get into predictions. I, I think there's going to be some opportunity of some idiot gifts this week. Uh, Jeff, uh, give me your let's call them wild fucking yeah. guess for the score on this game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like anybody who does like bull pickums or bull pools or whatever, and I'm like, man, God bless you, because that is like that. Is, like, and I even went through and I did the tally site, uh, you know, picks for all the bowl games, and I'm like, whatever, dude, this is gonna be fucking insane. Because who knows who's playing and not playing? I don't have time to figure all that shit out. So, you know, this is wild. This is some wild guess shit. But I do, I do think that, you know, I, I think a solid theory, some people subscribe to the who's more excited to be there theory when they pick their bowl games. And, and I do think there is some merit to that, to be honest. I, honestly, I think we saw yeah. it last year, right? I, I think that was, I think that was legitimately, you know, part of it. Uh, Central Michigan was like super excited to be there. We were, yeah, you know, we were missing a bunch of guys and, you know, so this week I think, I, I think is, is a similar kind of deal. I mean, I, I do think we're excited to be there. You know, I do think one of Jake Dickert's, you know, real, uh, you know, I, I think admirable qualities as a coach is his ability to get teams up just sort of consistently. I mean, we look at this, this season, 12 games, you know, they were up for 11 of them, right? It was only one game that maybe they were a little flat. That was Oregon state and 
mean, who knows? They might have lost Oregon State anyway. So uh, this one, I again, I, I don't know if we're really going to be able to overcome the personnel losses. Um, I just I think that's a lot to ask. I do think it's helpful that I think we talked about this a little bit last week. I do think it's helpful that the game is uh, there's not a huge, long, long, long layoff uh, for this game. I think that that does help the team to some degree um, stay a little bit locked in. Yeah, um, I do think that, you know, you, you, typically when there's a long layoff, a lot of those reps are used for younger guys uh, to develop. Um, I would guess that that was probably less so this time. Um, except for, you know, linebacker and, and probably wide receiver. Wide but, receiver, yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I do think those things are pointing in a positive uh, direction for WSU. So, I, I you know, I, I just I kind of have a hard time seeing them being able to keep up. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go Fresno State 30, WSU 24. Say Fresno State by almost a touchdown. Yeah, and once again, you you steal my Fresno State score, um, but that's why I let Damn. you go first, and then I have to I have to wing it <laughs> after that. Um, so yeah, I'm thinking you know a lot of the same stuff on on on. It's just I uh, it, it's hard to predict WSU to win this game with like so many people out, and and the fact that yeah. Fresno State, like you said, way more excited to be here. This is the top. Like outside of uh, getting into the uh, the New Year's Six games, if you're if you're like a top fifteen team, that they uh, they this is the top bowl that they could achieve, um, and they and they had to they achieved it by beating Boise State uh, two weeks ago. So uh, this is a big deal for them. WSU, this is just you know they got to the bowl. They they celebrated bowl eligibility. To, uh, to like a month and a half ago, it seems like at this point, and uh, when when they beat uh, Arizona State, um, so it was. Uh, it, this has been like you know, t- not really been on their radar as much, um, and then yeah, adding the personnel, so it's hard to predict in the win. Um, I, yeah, I think they'll fight, uh, but yeah, I'll go um, twenty eight twenty one Fresno State. Um, in the LA Bowl, Jimmy Kimmel, LA Bowl. Um, but yeah, it, that's, uh, so we both picking losses. Jeff 30 24, me 28 21. If the Cougs win, please deliver us please. on our Twitter accounts so at the Craig many. Powers and at Pod versus everyone. So many. Games. All the Will Ferrell, you're an idiot gifts or whatever is your preferred, you're an idiot gift. Um, yeah, would love to get Bring those around 4, 4 p.m., 4 30 p.m. on on Saturday afternoon. That would be fantastic. Uh, but yeah, with that, um, let's, uh, let's take a break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the hoops teams uh, who had a, a rough weekend. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll talk about the other thing that we always talk about. So we won't hide it this time. You know what we're going to talk about on the way back from the break. <laughs> um, talk to you then.
back. All right. So, Jeff, before we talk about um, some uh, hoops results and, and upcoming games, let's let's talk about beer. Jeff, what are you drinking tonight? Yeah, man. So, uh, so like like we are want to do uh, generally when when big things happen, is we try to try to find beers that uh, that you know go along thematically with the situation. So I, you know, I opened up my fridge and looked around and I found, uh, actually a fairly recent purchase. Um, something that has become one of my favorite, uh, sort of late fall, early winter, uh, beers to pick up because it, as we know, I love to shop at Costco. Um, this is always at Costco annually. It's the crux, uh, tough love, uh, from their banished series. And I think, honestly, I think I've been getting this every year for, I don't know, probably four or five years. Like I, I just keep buying them. Um, sometimes I have the patience to let them sit. Sometimes I drink them pretty quickly. Um, this is the 2022 version. So I'm drinking it pretty quickly. Um, in terms of like years past, uh, the ones in the years past that had like a really strong, uh, sort of like cherry flavor to it. Um, which was, which was great. It kind of tasted like a, like a chocolate covered cherry. Um, loved it. This one, the cherry seems to be a little more muted. Um, I don't know, like you can maybe tell me if that's a thing that would become more pronounced over time. It seems like the sort of thing that might fade over time, but at any rate, um, this is a, you know, it's honestly, it's, it's a, for, for a beer that is, you know, fairly recently been bottled, um, really well balanced. Uh, you know, the, the you got the chocolate and all that stuff. And again, the, in the past when I've had them fairly, like fairly new, the cherry seems to have been pretty powerful. Um, on this one, it's definitely much more mild and, um, very much enjoying it. Tough love. I, I picked that because anybody who's been around Leach as a coach <laughs> knows that he, he definitely subscribed to the tough love theory of coaching. So this, this is a tribute to you, coach. Tough love. So yeah, I've had that in the past, um, long time ago. Uh, I, I had a vertical at one point from like 2014 to 2018 of, of that beer. And yeah. I think I've drank all of them by now. Um, but yeah, it's that beer is very much influenced by the abyss. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the, the brewer came from Deschutes. Um, it's okay. got molasses in it like the abyss. Um, yep. I don't know if they have actually put cherries in it or you're just getting kind of a dark cherry flavor that comes from the molasses and from the barrel aging. Um, yeah. and just the, the deep the, and from the malt, the deep malt. Uh, yep. so I, um, I, cause I will say if, if you're getting the only way you'd get a cherry flavor from aging, like an added flavor would be if there was an infection present. Um, okay. it might give it some, like a tart flavor to it. Um, so in the past, if you tasted a tartness and maybe your beer was a little fizzier than you think it should be, then there may be a, uh, uh, an infection, but I've never had an infected tough love and I've never heard of them having any broad scale infection issues. So probably we were just getting that note just from all the things like that are in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, and, uh, yeah, I haven't had that beer in a, in a few years. I, uh, I used to be one that I chased every year and then there just became so many barrel aged outs in the world. It was, <laughs> it was hard to keep up. Many of which reside in your basement. 
they made the terrible decision and I've, they've kind of dialed it back at one point, one year they went from having 500 or like 500 milliliter bottles of it or 375 milliliter bottles of it. And then they went up to 750 milliliter bottles of it. It's like, this is there. And then the price, you know, costs way more. So instead of, you know, paying $15 for the bottle, you're paying like $30 for the yes. bottle. So they, they raise the price point. They're competing with all the others. Like that was just a huge mistake for them. And I think they've dialed it back to like 500 milliliters now. Yes. This is a 500 right? milliliter yeah. bottle. Yeah. So that's a much better spot. And the, the price point you can charge is, is more affordable and all that. And, yep. um, and now you'll see like a lot of the breweries that used to have big, big format bottles have dialed them back. So even like, um, Cascade, uh, uh one of kind of one of the OG sour brewers in the country out of, out of Portland, they, they've dialed back now. They sell these like little tiny cans of their, of their, uh, uh, beer so they can sell it at a, at a reasonable price point. So people aren't having to pay 35 bucks to just try their beer, you know? So I thought that was interesting that that crux kind of went the opposite direction while everyone was going the other way and it did not work out mm-hmm. for them. Those bottles sat on shelves and then the next year you saw them come out with the 500 milliliters. So uh, they probably were just like, we can't keep all these damn 375 mil. That's just too much. So we're going to cut the difference. We'll do a little bit bigger bottle, cut some of our time down and whatever. Uh, but yeah, so good choice. Yeah. I think tough love for Mike Leach is right spot on. Yeah. Um, How about you? I I also went the route of uh, you know um, kind of a, a Mike Leach themed beer, and you know I saw this on my seller list and and subbed up my seller list. I haven't updated it in a bit, and so I was like kind of worried. I went down to the cellar. I started digging through boxes, and I was so happy to find it. Um, it is Prairie Artisan Ales, an Oklahoma beer, so that. That's a that's a nice also callback to Mike Leach, um, who of course was um, a coordinator at Oklahoma uh, when they won the national championship. And um, so uh, this is a Prairie Artisan, or was he? Am I getting that wrong? <laughs> Wasn't he? Was he the net? Was What's he the coordinator that? when the? Was Mike Leach the coordinator when they? You're not listening to me. God damn it, Jeff! I, I am. Was I Mike am. Leach the coordinator when they when Oklahoma won the national title in like 2000? No, was he, he was there the then? one year in 1999. He was there for one season. Yeah, so they went. Yeah, and then he went so to Texas not, Tech after that. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, but anyway, so he went to Oklahoma, and he well, I guess he's most famous for uh, the fake, um, the fake play sheet that he left on the yep. ground. And and trick Texas, and and yep. built up a big lead on Texas. Great story. Uh, great story. I would search it out if you could find it. Uh, it's all over Twitter and the internet today. Um, uh, but yeah, so this is uh, Prairie Artisan Ales, and they have a series called of stouts called Bomb, which are um, like a Mexican chocolate style stout with uh, um, uh, coffee, cacao nibs, vanilla beans, and chilies. Uh, but this is the Pirate Bomb. Uh, which they ah. give it that name because it is aged in rum barrels. Um, the label has a lot of good pirate imagery, some cutlasses, uh, some long muskets, you know, and short guns, and uh, this kind of like uh, pirate ship with like the skull and and all that stuff. So, uh, pirate bomb. I thought for you know the pirate himself would be a good uh, a good uh, 
a good beer. Um, so it is very good. Um, this Prairie excellent. Bomb series is, is, is excellent. Um, the, the barrel aged ones are, are, are great. They're getting easier to find. I've, I've seen them at, uh, beer stores in, uh, in, in Washington. Now I used to have to get these, like if I traveled to Texas or, or California or something, I'd see them on the shelves. Uh, but they're, they're shipping the bombs out more. Um, that goes back to there's so many barrel aged stouts now, so many to compete with. So they kind of have to, they can't sell it all in their home market anymore. Um, but yeah, so it's a very good beer. Um, you know, rum barrel aged can, can get kind of ethanol-y sometimes, but this is well done. You get the sweetness from the, from the rum and it combines well with, uh, you know, some of those, this is a 2019. So a lot of those, that vanilla is faded. That is long gone. There's still some coffee. The cacao nibs aren't really giving you much anymore. The chilies, it's, it doesn't have that kick nearly as much, but it's still a very, very good beer. It's, it's, it's mellowed out into a very tasty beer, very tasty barrel aged stout. And of course, pirate bomb for the pirate from Prairie Artisan Ales. Uh, so yeah, we really went hard on the theme beers this week. Um, I was very happy to discover that I did a little fist pump when I, when I was digging through my bottles and I, I, you know, they had, it was very recognizable, uh, cap on their bottles and I was looking through all of them and I'm like, pull it. Nope, nope, nope. And then I pull it up. Like, yes, yes, I have it. Um, <laughs> so that was, that was an exciting, exciting moment for me. And thank you beer seller for delivering. That's why. I bought all those fucking beers for nights like this. Um, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's, um, let's kind of wrap up the show by talking about our basketball teams. We'll start with the men's team. Um, so they had a, you know, a pretty big game on Saturday against a team that was a lot, has been a lot better than we figured coming into the season. Um, and truly what we were worried about with UNLV was their defense. And, and lo and behold, yeah, they forced a lot of turnovers. Now they also gave up a lot of open shots and WSU hit a lot of those open shots, but WSU also turned the ball over, uh, what was it? 34% of the time, uh, 22 22 turnovers. turnovers. And what's crazy is they still had a 1.08 points per possession. At that, yeah, and yeah. I really thought coming in that number Make, would be making easily. thirteen of twenty three from three will 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 do yeah. that for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and that was really driven by Bamba and Justin Powell, who um, really hit a lot of threes. Uh, really, it was really tough. But, but even the fifty two percent on twos was impressive too. Um, yes. DJ Rodman had a nice game inside the arc. Uh, yep. Um, you know, but still it was, it was, well, they, this team if, really, if, the, UNLV if, either, if you had told either, if you had told either of us that 1.08, we'd score 1.08, we'd be like, oh yeah, we win by maybe double digits. Like, because really coming in, UNLV's offense was nothing to be scared of. Um, they really were uh, struggling. They were struggling there. I think they were, they were kind of, um, like 180 ish in terms of, um, adjusted efficiency on Kempom. Um, but really not necessarily, um, anywhere else, but just on twos, like they were making, I mean, they were getting some easy buckets, but they were also just making every jumper. Um, it seemed, um, inside the, inside the arc, uh, you know, Kashawn Gilbert, especially just had like a monster day. (laughs) Um, 
EJ Harkless was really the guy who killed us. Like that was <laughs> a guy whose offensive rating this year is ninety six point four, whose oh, true yeah. shooting per- or effective field goal percentage is forty three point six, and in that particular game he goes five of ten from two uh, to score twenty points uh, on thirty four percent usage. Like man, like God damn it. Like that game, like this team, they, they have, they have only bad luck. They have only bad luck, man. Like I swear they made, I, I don't have numbers in front of me for where the shots were taken, but um, you know, UNLV did get a fair number of shots at the rim, particularly in transition and especially in the first half, but they also made well, in the, a in the, shit what, ton in the, what was it? Mid-range. 18, 18, run. That they went on, yes, in the first yeah. half, and they made it, but they made a shit ton of mid-range jumpers, and it was just like, what in the hell? Like, I don't know. I don't know if there was a shot quality uh, tweet about that game or not, but it certainly seemed like the shot quality was um, even, if not maybe a little bit in our favor, um, just from you know looking at what happened, and you know, just well, this might- team, and they they just can't. They can't seem to buy a break, you know. It might be the shot quality might have hurt us just because we didn't get nearly as many up because we turned the ball over so damn much. That is true. Um, yeah, that is true. Uh, that is true. Yeah, twenty-two turnovers. Yeah, I think they had what seventeen in the first half. Um, but the, it, it's funny the, the first half they they still managed to what they were down four at the break, turning the ball seventeen times. Yeah. So you're just thinking, yeah, yeah, let's, you know, if you told me they're only going to turn the ball over five times in the second half, yeah, we'll fix this. It'll be fine. But then UNLV just wouldn't stop yep. missing. Like they just wouldn't, like yeah. it just wasn't happening. I was like, you cut the turnovers in half. We're good. Like, honestly, I was like, you know, I'm on, I was on our Slack. Just like, I think, I think we're going to be fine. Like, I think the turnovers come down. I, I think we, you know, when that happens, I think we, uh, you know, come out after that. And, you know, I mean, just was like, yeah, I think we'll be fine. And yeah, we cut our turnovers in half and yeah, we more or less kept scoring, but good God, we couldn't stop them, you know? And I, I will say this, there, there was some, you know, there is a temptation to be like, yeah, you know, they were hitting every shot, but that, that also, I think it's also important to acknowledge like the defense really did struggle with, um, containing penetration. And that was, yeah. that was a yep. real, that was a real issue, man. Gilbert got into the lane really anytime he wanted um, to the point where, you know, like uh, darling Dylan darling struggled in the first half a lot. The freshman in general struggled. come on, come on. his O rating looked okay, but you know, four turnovers, um, you know, maybe not, you know, maybe not the greatest in the world. It wasn't his greatest game. Um, you know, and then Dylan Darling struggled really, really bad offensively. But there also was a point in the second half where I was like, man, I, I think we got to put Darling back in just to like try and st- stop, you know, contain dribble penetration. Because at this point, it's pretty clear like he's probably our best, our best on ball defender for containing dribble drives like I, I i think that's probably a reasonable conclusion right now and that is that's a re, not you know dill i think dylan darwin's gonna be great i think i'm i'm you know he's pleasantly surprised me um in a number of ways but 
you know, if if we are relying on him to be our dribble drive point of attack, you know, containment guy, you know, I mean, you're making a huge trade off there because he's just not really ready offensively um, to be much of a contributor. And I I don't know, man, it it was kind of like, you know, you could see like Kyle Smith was kind of like, well, you know, I mean, I maybe maybe this will kill us offensively, but you know, we're not going to have a chance at all if we don't, you know, somehow contain this guy from driving. And um, so, you know, well, Don, and you saw that did come in shortly after that. So in, in a, you know, they, because of that, they, they switched to his own and Carlos Rosario got a yep. significant number of minutes for him. Yep. Um, yep. Well, and it was, they, they pretty much exclusively bring him in when they're playing zone at this point and he got 13 yep. minutes. So you're looking at roughly 13 minutes of zone. Um, and, but then once UNLV started hitting jumpers, they could, they, they just, they had to get out of the zone because they, they were getting yeah, shredded. Get yeah. And, um, and so it was just, uh, yeah, it, we saw some weird lineups in that game because they were just trying to figure out like what the hell to do. And you know, a little bit of foul trouble. Obviously, Bomba and, uh, um, had had some foul trouble, and but it, but he still played 32 minutes, and uh, you had your starters play a ton of minutes, which that's they're always going to yeah. do. Um, it it's it's a uh, it's just well, it's again one of those games where. If we had our guys, it probably would have been different. Honestly, like yeah. I'm yeah. not even talking about Deshaun and Miles at this point. Like obviously Miles yep. would have made a difference in this one, but and so would have Deshaun. But I, but 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 even just to have Jabe and Yaki, because yeah, we yep. went 13 and 23 from three. Fuck, we could have went 16 to 32 with them. Like you yep. know, like because we would have shot even more threes if we had more shooters yep. it would have made their defense more difficult they would not have been able to take as many risks if you have two 40% 50% three point shooters on the floor yep. you know if they if you have if you have Justin TJ Yaki and and um and and uh Jabe on the floor at the same time not saying that'd be the greatest defensive alignment but then and then you have Mo like Mo's gonna have an easier time down low, getting some space because, oh, and plus with the way he can pass, they, it, and they did punish them with three point shooting. But I think just having those guys on the floor could have impacted the turnovers, impacted a lot of things. It impacted, yep. you know, just Mo's ability to get to the rim and score. Um, yep. And plus, they only lost by four. And we're talking about missing two, uh, you know, starter level players. And so it's again, like, it's just, it, it's again, this season is just, it's, it, it is what it is at this point. Again, we're just going to have to hope for, you know, fun things to happen. Cause honestly, they, it would take just an absolutely incredible run, uh, in, in the Pac 12 season to get to a point where they're even at large considered it would take like a lot of wins at this point. Uh, one of those yep. wins could be uh, Baylor on, on could Sunday. Be. Could be. Um, could be. Uh, Baylor, interesting enough, it plays the exact same defense basically as Houston. I mean, sorry, as, um, as UNLV uh, this. Uh, thank you, Bryce, for a little bit of education, the no middle defense and, you know, they're forcing baseline. It's different from the pack, which also forces baseline and that they extend farther and they 
gamble for turnovers a lot more. Um, they uh, close harder and they help a lot more uh, from what I noticed in that UNLV game. Um, it, so that this is what Baylor has become a national power um, on that built on this defense plus the ability to get out and run on offense. Um, so they're get, they're going to be maybe this year a little bit worse on defense than UNLV. So won't, won't be they're not quite they're definitely going to force a lot of turnovers, but UNLV is forcing turnovers at like an insane rate right now. Um, but I would still would expect a high number of turnovers, but they're going to be uh, just str- like a lot better, more soundly. Like if they did, if they had the offensive game that UNLV just had, I would not be surprised. I, you know, it would, they're just a much more sound offensive team than, than UNLV. And, you know, you got um, guys like Cryer and Flagler and George, they were just like very good players and they're going to score and they have shooters around them. Um, it's just, uh, it's, they're, 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 they're a tough offense to contend with. Um, and, and they're going to punish you on the break. Uh, if you turn yep. the ball over, uh, so that this is going to be, this is definitely the tougher game of the two. Um, but so you got to hope that maybe you just get a little more fortunate in this one, but Baylor's shooting 59% on twos, 37% on threes. They're crashing the good? glass. Yeah. Like is that good? this is going to be a lot, a lot harder for WSU to dominate the the glass like they did because UNLV is going to aggressive. I mean, so Baylor is going to aggressively crash the offensive glass. Um, now they now I could see WSU getting eating a bit on their own offensive glass. Uh, that's that's positive, um, you know. But again, like I, I, who knows? Like will Jay be back? I don't know. We know Yaki's not going to be back, so we're still going to be running this really tight lineup. Um, and Baylor's, it, they're going to wear you out with their, with their aggression. So it's, this is going to be, uh, a, another tough game. Luckily they have like eight days off in between games so that, you know, they won't, hopefully they won't be too tired with the legs. Yeah. I, either that or they'll be fatigued from finals this week or <laughs> not finals. Is it finals? It is finals, right? Right before uh, break. I, I guess, yes. yeah. Yes, yeah. It would have been final. Yeah, they usually sure. have the. Yeah. They usually have the. They usually have the. Um, yeah, because the graduation was last weekend. So the in in yeah. in the in the in the in the, the fall semester they have the graduation before finals week typically. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, finals this week, which is why they're not playing at all until Sunday. Um, so you know, hopefully that means they're refreshed. Hopefully that means maybe cross our fingers. Jabe is back. Um, you know, I don't know. Andre sure doesn't seem like he's close. So I guess, I guess we'll see. I think the thing with Andre that, you know, it's just sort of like the thing that, you know, just frustrates me the most is that, you know, yes, we all know he can shoot and, and that's really wonderful. He just does so many other things. Well, too, you know, he's, takes care of the ball. He moves the ball. He's a really, really good rebounder, like a really good rebounder, um, you know, and, and particularly a really good offensive rebounder. Just getting, you know, I, I don't know that his numbers like show him 
uh, being like a great, great offensive rebounder. But what he does is he gets his hands on so many balls and they don't all end up in his hands, but a lot of times they end up in somebody else's hands. So I, you know, I'd love to have him back. I, you know, I don't know if he's, if he's close or not. It, it sort of feels like he's just sort of in a holding pattern. Um, you know, you haven't heard Smith say recently like, Oh yeah, this guy's right around the corner or practicing a little bit, but you know, it's not quite there. Like it, it sure seems like, I don't know, man, it's, it, we're kind of start. I mean, we're, you know, we're a full third of the way through the season at this point. Um, and Andre hasn't played yet. So I don't know. Hopefully something changes, you know, hopefully Jabe can, can, can contribute in some way. Um, team really needs him, you know, as you've, as you've been fond of saying, you know, when, when these things get right, you know, they might be a really, really good team and might ruin a lot of people's seasons. Like, you know, because it's going to be tough for them to do enough, uh, to get where they need to go. But, you know, they, they might just be good enough to, to beat a lot of people. So I don't know, man, it sure would be nice to beat Baylor. For, for a number of reasons. One is should be a nice win. Number two, I fucking hate Baylor. Um, it'd like, be really that you like, like that university, uh, deserves every bad thing that can possibly happen to it, uh, given the way they've also, handled things how, over the years. So how wild is it that that game starts at 9 p.m. local time in, yeah. in Dallas? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure why. I'm not sure if that's a because the game is not being played in Waco, right? As you mentioned, it's being played no. in Dallas. Yeah. Is there another um, game? Like, so I don't know like if it's being. Team? Yeah, I don't know. It, it's possible it's paired with another game. I don't know that for sure, um, but it might be similar to the UNLV situation where we also did not play on their campus, um, but instead uh, played downtown, and then Arizona and Indiana played a game. So um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. My guess would be it's something like that, but. I, I don't know off the top of my head, and I'm too lazy to type it into my computer right now to find out. Heck yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, that'll be at 7 p.m. on Sunday. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. wrap it up. You know, fight off the Sunday scaries with Cougar basketball. Yeah. Um, yeah, switch it to the women's team, who I got to see in person on Sunday. Uh Ooh. Saw truly one of the greatest individual performances I've ever seen on a, a you know a, a WSU basketball team. Uh, Charlize was absolutely on fire. Um, really didn't even start missing until she was dead tired at the end of the game. Uh, just a crazy thing to watch. You know, she was just an absolute bucket. Uh, but of course, was in foul trouble for six or seven minutes in the first half. Uh, but immediately came back and just started hitting shots again and again and again, finished with 40 points. Unfortunately, UW had an entire team of fucking players shooting like Charlie's. Like, I <laughs> like that does make just, it challenging. Yeah. This, uh, UW was just, I, I mean, there was definitely some open looks. I'm not, I'll give them that. Like, but, you got Lauren Schwartz going five of six from three. Overall, them shooting thirty-three of sixty-one on twos, or I mean, on on field goals in general. Um, eight of seventeen from three. It felt like a lot more threes. I think just all their threes came at like looked like WCU was going to make a run, and then they hit a three, and uh, just not. You know, you you typically expect this defense to hold teams to 
much lower numbers and you would expect 66 points to be enough, even though 40 of it is from Charlize and not really anyone else did much of anything offensively. You know, Bella had, Bella had some, a few buckets. Um, uh, she was five of 12, which you'd hope she could be a little more efficient because most of her shots come in around the basket. Uh, but outside of her, you know, uh, Johanna hit a three to start the game and then was, Kind of out of it the rest of the game. I, I think she might be hurt or or sick or something. I she's to have her only for seventeen minutes is is wild. Um, so I don't think she's exactly right. Um, but yeah, Ula went zero for ten from or zero for six from the field. Um, yeah. You're not getting any threes from her. She was zero for four from downtown. You know, Asira Tahina wasn't getting the kind of penetration that we usually see her get. Um, you know, it's it, 21 minutes from Grace is a lot because, uh, you know, she's fine defensively, but her offensive game, she's if she's not hitting her spot up threes, it's it's uh, it, it's tough. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. You're watching uh, watching a person, watching Charlize have this, like, amazing game. You're like, can we come back and win? Because, really, UW had them at an arm's length. I think they only got it to six a couple times, and it was they never got closer than that. And because UW just kept hitting shots, like it just WC was having a terrible time getting stops, and and so that was rough to watch. Knowing you're you're watching Charlize on this track for this um, huge game, and and it, you just know it's like uh, some crazy is going to happen for it to be a win. So that that was a bummer. Yeah, it's reminiscent of another UW game where a player went for forty plus points in Clay Thompson in the Pac-12 tournament, right? Where uh, that game was a little closer than this one, but yeah, it's... And, uh, I, and then, you know, oh, by the way, the Pac-12... Yeah. Pac-12 uh, Network will play that game along with other big WSU basketball games as if we're happy about that. Like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. cool, I want to I I watch... That. Yeah, cool, Clay went for 43. Oh, and we lost in the Pac-12 tournament to our bitter rival... Uh, no, I don't ever rivals. want to watch that game yeah. again. No, thank you. No. I do not want to watch him no. miss a game time free throw at the end of the game. I do not want no. that. Like, no, no. no thanks. Don't want to see it Never, anymore. ever again. <laughs> like. Yeah, I, I texted you on Sunday because I spent, so I wanted to go to the game, and but I, I was I didn't really get a chance to. Ended up spending my day at a furniture store uh, figuring out how many thousands of dollars I wanted to spend on a new furniture set for for our bedroom and I was like uh we were there for a long time man it was about the same as buying a freaking car and I was like I texted you and well, I buying was furniture like, you know, is who, a fucking who had the wor- basically who had yeah it's the worst and I was like not as quite as bad as buying a car but but it was pretty bad and I texted you and was like you know I don't know which of us had it worse you at the game or me buying furniture and you were like but at least I was at a game and I was like touche Touche. That's a good point. You were at a game. That was definitely better than laying on uh, laying on beds and having the guy go, what do you think of this bed? Oh, that's only $5,000. I'm like, fuck that. I'm not buying that. Fuck no. You know? <laughs> like, come on, man. I'm not buying the $5,000 bed. Give me a break. Uh, so, yeah, we went, we went with a not $5,000 bed for sure. So. When I saw the score, I was, I was sad. Yeah, we had, we had fun. We, you know, we, uh, my, my daughter 
my oldest, like she had a blast. Like we had Marty and Corey had their kids there and, and then her Stephanie had her oldest there. So they were playing with cousins and all that. So she was playing. She, they were screaming. They were loving screaming go Cougs and boo Huskies the whole game. Um, so it came to the point when yeah, the game was over, we're all getting ready to go and B was absolutely on it. She was like to point of tears, not wanting to leave. So it kind of looked like she was crying that WSU lost in her little WSU cheerleading outfit that she picked out, by the way. I did not tell her that she had to wear that. I wanted her to wear a matching hoodie to me, but she didn't want to do that. She wanted to wear a cheerleader outfit, which is fine. Um, but, but, uh, but so she was like, at tears and i'm like man people are gonna look at her and think she's like super sad that the kooks lost but she just said that we have to leave because she was having fun yeah yeah she's she just is screaming yeah. and yelling and no one cares like and like yeah we're yeah yell yell go ahead it's fine uh um, you know and then it, man. every time the announcer would say huskies she'd be like boo huskies and, and it, this of course UW is known as the bad place. You know, as soon as we pull into the parking, like, Daddy, there's purple everywhere. And then, like, Daddy, our yep. seats are purple. The Why are place. all our seats purple? I'm like, it's because we're in the bad place. This is where. And she's like, oh. And so that was that was funny. And then, yeah, so so that was, it's funny to watch her and uh, uh, just try to, you know, she doesn't know what happened in the game, really. <laughs> she just, she just got to cheer for the Cougs. I think she was bummed that Butch was not there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll tell her we'll, we'll go to a game in Pullman and Butch will be there. So, um, so now I have to take her to a game in Pullman for sure. Um, well, if but you yeah, have to. if I have to, uh, well, well, if I take the kid yeah, and I can't, to. can't, can't stay at the bar quite as late. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, that's uh, that's all we have to talk about this week. Once again, um, uh, uh, you know, Mike Leach, uh, that was a big bummer. It really affected all of us, and uh, uh, all the all the best and to his uh, family, and and hope you know. I know that as hard as it is for us, it's much harder for them. Um, uh, so um, hopefully, um, you know, thoughts with them and. Uh, so, uh, if you, uh, listen to this, you like it, whatever, rate us five stars, whatever. Um, and then, uh, I think I already gave our, our Twitters. Uh, if, if, if the Cougs end up winning, be sure to, uh, send your an idiot gifts to us, Absolutely. um, uh, at, at the Craig Powers and at Pod versus everyone. Um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram and, 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 uh, TikTok at Craig W. Powers if you like. Hearing about emo and concerts and, uh, and the Cougs, uh, and sometimes my kids, uh, all that good stuff. Uh, Jeff, do you you have a news Coug Instagram if anyone wants that? Uh, yeah. But yeah, so um, uh, all I, all that's left to say is uh, go Cougs, go Cougs, Greg. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. And still get vaccinated. Still do. It.